If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Chocolate can be your strength. I've been searching high and low for cocoa products that deliver meaningful amounts of healthful flavanols with great flavor and minimal sugar. So I'm thrilled to have found Flava Naturals. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. But you need to eat five or more ordinary dark chocolate bars every day to match the flavanols consumed in most of these studies. Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate Cocoa Powder and beverages deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate. Their secret is sourcing premium, high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. That's flavanaturals.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. And today's podcast is on the subject of cardiovascular prevention with nutraceuticals. Our guest, Neil Levin, he's Senior Nutrition Education Manager and a Product Formulator for Now Foods, also Protocol for Life Balance. You can get more information at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. And you can order some of the great products there. Uh, Neil, uh, let's talk about uh, natokinase, please, because uh, that is one of the more interesting supplements. But I think a lot of people uh, don't have a good understanding. A lot of doctors, for sure, don't have a good understanding of how it works. Yeah, natokinase is actually an enzyme that's extracted from a fermented food called natto, N-A-T-T-O, and that's a traditional Japanese fermented soy food. Uh, it's made from non-GMO soy. But uh, natto itself is a black, sticky, very strong smelling and tasting food. It's an acquired taste, for probably sure. probably takes some getting used to, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it contains both vitamin K, of K2 in, in particular, as well as natokinase, which is this enzyme. So they actually separate those. Okay. So, so we so, end so, up with so, the natokinase enzyme, not the vitamin K, right. uh, as an ingredient. And so, so that's actually important is, because people who are trying to avoid excess of vitamin K, uh, who are taking blood thinners like Coumadin, uh, not all blood thinners, by the way, because on the newer blood thinners, it's not a problem. But you know, taking too much vitamin K with Coumadin can be a problem because it kind of negates the effects of the Coumadin. Uh, but natokinase doesn't deliver a big wallop of vitamin K, which which actually that's a I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, they, they've actually isolated it so it doesn't contain any vitamin K, mm -hmm. even though it's from the same source. Yeah. So, so it's a, what, what's called a fibrinolytic enzyme, something that digests fibrin, and fibrin is stuff that forms and holds clots together. So it makes the blood thicker. So having the natokinase helps to maintain normal blood fluidity. It keeps the the blood more liquid and flowing in the appropriate amount, the way it's supposed to be, instead of having these factors that are promoting the blood getting thicker. And, I mean, there's a lot of medications designed to uh, thin the blood in that way to uh, prevent the fibrin from forming clots. 
uh, people are on blood thinners. I'm on a blood thinner myself uh, based on my medical history. Mm-hmm. But you know, having this is something uh, they can find a significant reduction in blood pressure that's even even moving within the normal range hmm. uh, by taking 2,000 uh, FU, which is the fibrin units, fibrinolytic units that they measure it by for eight weeks. Uh, so about two months hmm. of taking I, I didn't know that one, it could affect one little blood capsule pressure. a day. Natokinase yeah, can affect, can blood, affect pressure? blood pressure? Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's it's making the blood more liquidy and fluidy the mm-hmm. way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's helping maintain the the normal uh, thickness of the bloodstream. So you yourself take a blood thinner, yet you're not leery of taking uh, natokinase because uh, I think a lot of people are concerned because uh, they, it prevents blood clots. So it, is it going to thin the blood dangerously? I mean, do you, when you cut yourself while shaving, do you have to you know put band aids on it or what? No, I, I mean, I think most people are going to do one or the other. They might use nat- natokinase uh, initially to see if they can maintain a healthy blood fluidity before they go into the medications. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the sweet spot for dietary supplements are mm-hmm. if you can catch them before you need the medication or when there's a perceived need maybe for medication, you're, you're starting to see that, mm-hmm. maybe you can control it with these nutrients which are not as forceful. Right. They, you know, drugs are, are very effective if to do what they want to do, right. but they all have side effects because they're so forceful at doing what they do. And the nutrients tend to have more minimal side effects because they're gentler. They take longer. They're not as sure to work, but they do have a, a good role for many people. So, so you would issue a caution for people already on blood thinners about adding natokinase, or is it less of a concern? Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's kind of doubling up at that point. Okay, okay. You know, if you've already gone to the medication, you're on something much stronger than natokinase. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, there's probably no need to double up. Got it. Okay. Uh, let's move on to uh, another element. Uh, which is uh, Reddy's rice. And uh, are you acquainted with the history behind statins and how they were initially discovered? Because, uh, you know, perhaps you know this, uh, that it was actually through investigation of the properties of red yeast rice that the first statin, Mevacor, was developed back in, I guess, it was the 90s. Yeah, there are actually naturally occurring statins in red yeast rice. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the regulatory headaches yep. with dealing with red yeast rice is because the the one that's uh, most like a statin drug, uh, monoclin K, uh, there are pigments in the red yeast rice, you know, it's red. And the pigments are called monoclins because the Latin name is monascus. So it's, na- it's named after the Latin name. But uh, monoclin K is basically a statin drug, and that's what they synthesized to come up with, with statin drugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that said, all of the monoclins, and there's about 20 or so of these monoclins, they all have that effect, not just the one that was isolated and turned into the, the medication. Mm-hmm. So one thing that the FDA looks at is, what is the level of monoclin K 
this statin drug mm-hmm. in the Reddy's rice materials, which are a fermented food. Mm-hmm. And the naturally occurring level of monocalin K is about is below one tenth of one percent of the material. Mm-hmm. And they have some that have been on the market that the FDA has sent warning letters and, yeah. and pulled from the market uh, that were like five percent. Mm-hmm. I think I think it all started so with Pharmanex. Huge. I think it started with Pharmanex. I think back uh, way back when in the late nineties or early two thousands. I think that Pharmanex yeah. was making a, a type of. Uh, of red yeast rice essentially was like uh, kind of a copycat of the medication, you know, with they had some of the properties of some of the drugs. Yes, without the drug warnings and labels. So mm-hmm. that's not appropriate for a natural food. I mean, it's really a natural food until they start manipulating it. Mm-hmm. So you can try to grow it to increase the level of monoclonal K. You can spike it with synthetic monoclonal K. Yeah. These are some of the things the FDA was looking at. Uh, about 20 years ago, roughly, mm-hmm. and uh, sending warning letters. Uh, our company never got a warning letter because we did not play those games. We mm-hmm. actually have a requirement. Our red yeast rice uh, is going to be below a tenth of 1% monoclonal K. That doesn't mean it's ineffective because there are studies showing that all the monoclons have benefits and they have synergistic benefits. So even at very, very low levels, they have benefits. And I actually have a study in my archive that says that people who are statin intolerant, who could not take statins, yes. many of them could take the red yeast rice because it was gentler on their body. Indeed. And that's interesting because, I mean, otherwise, uh, you know, it's kind of an either-or thing. It's like uh, either you take nothing or you take a statin. So where do you find the opportunity to take red yeast rice? And I guess uh, a scenario would be where someone does not have uh, like an emergent need for uh, dramatic cholesterol reduction. Perhaps they're a little bit concerned about cardiovascular risk and they can use the red yeast rice to mitigate their risk and it's gentler. Uh, or another scenario might be if somebody really should be taking a step, but they absolutely can't. They get terrible muscle aches or they have... Uh, you know, other side effects of statins. Uh, perhaps they can take the red yeast rice and tolerate it. And, and I'm familiar with a study that you cited, which shows that uh, it, it can be kind of a step down. It's, it's not as potent. It's, it's weaker. It's milder. But there are some, some definite benefits to be obtained from it uh, in situations where people have risk. And people can do more than one thing to affect their cholesterol levels. Uh, fiber is a wonderful thing to lower cholesterol. Uh, fiber will bond to bile salts from the gallbladder in the digestive tract and actually take them out of the body. That's the body's main way of dumping excess cholesterol is using fiber. Americans get about a third of the fiber that's recommended. So you can see that's not working very well for us unless we're eating a fiber-rich diet or supplementing with fiber. You know, there's other strategies too. Uh, soy protein actually has a similar effect. Uh, to lower cholesterol. That's why there's FDA-approved qualified health claims for soy protein and cardiovascular health. But, uh, you know, it's interesting that, you know, again, they're trying to use these things like drugs instead of synergistically, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where you don't need to force the body to do something. You can encourage it gently by 
using a number of different things to attack it from different angles. And it's not an either or thing uh, because how relatively safe are many of these things to take? So, for example, uh, can you take, I mean, say a lot of these people with cardiovascular concerns are already on a statin. Can you take clinical cardio six, the product that uh, we mentioned in part one, uh, as an added uh, benefit for uh, with your statin? Because statin mode of action is probably mostly lowering cholesterol, maybe anti-inflammatory, but it doesn't work on all the multiple pathways that lead you to heart disease. Yeah, clinical cardio is fine to add to a statin drug. The uh, I, It actually works on several levels. It helps with energy production in the heart. It helps to support blood pressure to keep it in the normal range. And it helps with arterial flexibility. And And part of the way it works on the blood pressure is by maintaining the health of those arteries so they don't get these thick patches of plaque and calcium on them by when they're damaged you you, you stop the damage uh they need a lot of you know vitamin c and other supporting antioxidants pycnogenol has been shown to support that hawthorn has been shown to support that lots of grapeseed extra lots of these antioxidant type compounds and the reason i call them antioxidant type compounds the FDA now it only allows antioxidant claims on labels for vitamins and minerals, not for botanicals, which are well known to be antioxidant in the medical literature, but we can't call them that on labels anymore, thanks hmm. to wow. very strict regulation. Hmm. You know, they talk about dietary supplements being unregulated. I'm giving you examples in this program of some of the regulations we have to follow that are sometimes illogical or <laughs> strange, but we follow them because those are the law. Indeed. Uh, when it comes to cholesterol lowering, uh, niacin was in vogue. Uh, there was a book uh, back in the 80s, The Eight-Week Cholesterol Cure, and it suggests that people take high-dose niacin, uh, and niacin is, but niacin is now less in, in vogue. Uh, so what's become of that? What is what it? When you look at the research, what are well, you finding with it? Niacin works, but you have to do about three grams a day. Mm -hmm. And it causes flushing, the niacin flush at typically 35, 45 milligrams is going to cause a niacin flush. Mm -hmm. And I've had a niacin flush. It is, if you're not expecting it, it's very scary. Yeah. Because you, you, when I took it, I started, my head started getting warm and the, and that, and I started turning red, and that flush moved from my head to my feet over a few minutes. Wow. And, you know, it's it's a little scary if you don't realize what's happening. I was taking something that wasn't the cause of flush, and it did. But it, it's, not, it's not harmful, except that it scares you. Right. It's actually very healthy for your cardiovascular system, and... It's, it's partially a histamine response, partially an inflammatory response. Uh, if you take things like quercetin and, and some of these natural things, uh, that it can help mitigate it, even aspirin mm -hmm. and, and normal things that work in those pathways. Some of these joint support things might actually help in some, in some tolerance to the, the niacin. 
But the other issue is niacin tends to increase liver yeah. enzymes. And if you're giving these high doses, yeah. you have to go into the doctor every two to three months and have yeah. your li- liver enzymes checked. So, you know, again, it's using a nutrient in high dose like a drug instead of using a rainbow approach and surrounding it and, and attacking it gently with lower doses of many natural things. Indeed. Uh, so, a reminder you know, to our listeners, uh, some of the products that we're talking about here, you can find uh, at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors this opportunity to share a vital message with you. Here goes. As a listener to Intelligent Medicine, you know that fish oil provides the vital omega-3s, EPA, and DHA that support your cardiovascular, brain, nerve, vision, immune system, joint, and skin health, as well as your inflammatory balance. My preferred fish oil brand is Vital Nutrients, offering a line of 11 ultra-pure omega-3 solutions, including soft gels, liquid, and enteric-coated options in a variety of potencies. Vital Nutrients even offers a high-performance and nutrient-dense vegan omega supplement option. Vital Nutrients' line of ultra-pure omega-3 solutions are held to the most rigorous quality standards in the industry, ensuring maximum freshness, purity, and potency. I use Vital Nutrients myself and recommend it to my patients. For more information and to order, call 888-328-9992. That's 888-328-9992. Or go to vitalnutrients.co. That's vitalnutrients.co for the Vital Nutrients line of Ultra Pure Omega-3 Solutions. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They are what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to today's guest, Neil Levin. Uh, I noticed in your red yeast rice product, uh, there's there's a synergy here. There's some um, red yeast rice. There's also milk thistle, alpha lipoic acid, and then there's co- coenzyme Q10. Because since it has statin-like properties, uh, you don't want to give it without some coenzyme Q10 because statins deplete coenzyme Q10. Um, so what's the rationale for some of those other ingredients? Well, the, the milk thistle is to support the liver again because these processes are happening in the liver. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the that extract is uh, has antioxidant-free radical-fighting properties. It helps to... Uh, stimulate the health and regeneration of liver cells. So it actually strengthens the liver itself. And uh, it, it's also used as a detoxification method. Uh, free radical fighting compounds, antioxidant compounds, are used as part of the liver detox mechanism. Uh, so it does all that. And adding the CoQ10, when you, when you take red yeast rice, it doesn't have as much an effect on CoQ10 production in the, in the liver as the statin drugs. Statin drugs are estimated to reduce the production of coenzyme Q10, which is a molecule we need for energy and especially needed by the heart. Uh, it cuts the production in, in about half. And that's actually what causes the muscle pain that is a somewhat common side effect of taking statin drugs if you lower the CoQ10 enough, your muscles don't have enough energy. And if they get to that point where you have muscle pain, people tend to go off the statin drugs. 
and a lot. I mean, I've heard estimates forty, fifty percent might drop it within a year yeah. because they don't like the side effects. And uh, once that happens, and you have the pain in the muscles, adding CoQ10 is good, but it's not enough. Right. People it, tend to yeah, I, I, they need to add. That's e- that's my experience. Either uh, ribose. Yeah. Yeah, ribose is the number one thing to add, and creatine's number two. Interesting. To re-energize the muscles. Oh, okay. So, yeah, what I've noticed is that, you know, while coenzyme Q10 may be helpful, if someone has a really bad muscle reaction to statins, uh, all the coenzyme Q10 in the world is not going to uh, eliminate it. Uh, are you suggesting that if you added ribose and, and creatine, you might blunt that muscle uh, effect that occurs in anywhere from you know five to twenty percent of individuals. Yeah, I, I look at it kind of like a, a car that that got stalled, mm-hmm. and you need to to restart it. And what what do you use to jump it? You're using ribose and, and creatine are the main okay. things. Ribose is is more important than creatine, but creatine helps a lot. And incidentally, you know, the, another aspect of uh, heart disease, of course, is congestive heart failure. Uh, you know, we we prevent a lot of heart disease with uh, bypass surgery and stents and uh, statin drugs and, you know, all the things we're doing now. But uh, there are a lot of people ending up with weak hearts. They develop congestive heart failure. And uh, a frequent contributor, uh, fortunately recently just passed away, Dr. Stephen Sinatra, uh, had a protocol for congestive heart failure where he was an advocate of high doses of coenzyme Q10, uh, but also uh, magnesium, of course, uh, and ribose and carnitine. So, uh, do you agree with that approach to supporting congestive heart failure? I do. Creatine might help adding that too, but yeah, I mean, it's another energy uh, p- promoting molecule you could take. Uh, it's kind of hard to get right now because it, the price is outrageous. It's hard to get because there's a shortage of it. Hmm. Uh, that's been affected by the pandemic, the production of it. Wow creatine so but yeah the other things the dr sinatra is great uh, and uh certainly coq10 helps but like you said it it's probably not enough to fully mitigate those effects and, and re-energize the muscles mm-hmm. uh you really need a, a program that uh, i i like the ribose i like the carnitine i like the creatine you know those things all promote energy mm-hmm. and there are different forms of coq10 and really, uh, there's a form called ubiquinol that's produced by a Japanese company in Texas, by the way. So it's actually produced in Texas. And ubiquinol is required to be sold in a soluble form. It uh, has to be in like a liquid or a soft gel and in a base that carries it and helps it absorb better. So for people who have problems absorbing fats, uh, it works better than regular CoQ10. Uh, it, uh, it, and they usually yeah. use things like MCT oil, which, which we will use, or D-limonene. Mm-hmm. Some companies might use polysorbate 80. Stay away from those. Those oh. are petrochemicals that yeah. cause leaky gut. Yikes. Those are not healthy substances. They help absorption right. of, of things like curcumin or CoQ10, but they are not healthy. They cause leaky gut is how they increase absorption. And the body does not like these. It's a, hmm. it's a detergent, wow. literally, that they're wow. using, a petrochemical detergent. Uh, I do not 
think that's a natural substance that people would want to take, the polysorbate 80 in a, in a, in a su- dietary supplement. That, that is not something our company would use. And indeed, you, and what I really commend you on is that uh, your ubiquinol, you know, even high-potency ubiquinol is among the best values uh, among all the uh, high-quality companies out there. So in addition to taking additional measures to not uh, include uh, ingredient shortcuts, which could be potentially harmful, uh, it's a great value. Say, you know, the 100 milligram and the 200 milligram ubiquinol. So good yeah, on but, protocol but actually for like once- yeah, the, the most important thing with CoQ10 is to take it with a fat-containing meal. The fat absorption, needing several grams of fat in the meal is more important than what's in the capsule. Mm-hmm. You can get a form that absorbs well, that is, absorbs better, uh, and pay more. You'll pay a premium for that, for the ubiquinol versus ubiquinone, which is the common CoQ10. But it's actually more important you take it with a fat-containing meal than the form in the capsule. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to hear that from a lot of companies. But that's what the science shows. And, and I've also heard, and this is kind of strange for a fat-soluble nutrient, that uh, you should use divided doses. Is, is, do you agree with that proposition? Because I don't really take my CoQ10, you know, once a day. Uh, and then I heard that for bioavailability, it's best to split your doses and take it a couple of times. Yeah, I actually take uh, 200 milligram twice a day. Okay. So... I, I do split my dose, and I do the same with vitamin K. I, I'll do uh, 300 micrograms twice a day. I'm, right. I'm doing a lot because I'm making up for a lifetime of not having it. What, why do you say you, you, you haven't? You, because of uh, diet or because you simply weren't aware of its benefits? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've only been taking it for a couple of years, and I'm in my late 60s and have had some heart issues, so I figure... Let's clean up the arteries, get as much calcium out of there as, as possible, Indeed. and then keep the arteries flexible. Indeed. Uh, have we missed anything in our... Oh, I, I know what we have to talk about. Let's talk about uh, omega-3 fish oil. Uh, what say you about the role that can play in cardiovascular prevention? Uh, omega-3 is very important for that, and actually there's qualified health claims that the FDA has allowed and authorized for omega-3 fatty acids. Uh, people in, in North America, our diets tend to be low in omega-3. Omega-3 is most uh, prominent in fish that are caught in the ocean, not farm-raised fish. And older people, people who are not eating fish, uh, tend not to have much. There are forms of omega-3 in plant foods. Uh, that would include walnuts, chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds. But they're very dilute. Uh, for our strongest fish oil, you can get, uh, say, a gram of EPA and DHA in less than two soft gels. You know, those long soft gels. Mm-hmm. It would take 20 soft gels of flax oil to give you the wow. same amount. And flax oil is 50% ALA, the plant source mm-hmm. of omega-3. And you can only convert it if you have enough magnesium. It's a magnesium-dependent enzyme right. that converts it. Uh-huh. And Americans don't tend to get enough magnesium either, especially men. Uh-huh. So 
if you don't have the enzyme, you can't convert the plant sources into the APA that the cardiovascular system needs or the DHA that the brain and nerves need. Indeed. And, but you're a vegetarian. You know, I've, I've had dinner with you many on many occasions. Uh, yes. And so you take you take fish oil, or you're not a, a vegan, uh, a, a ethical vegetarian. You're you're okay with taking a fish derived version of EPA DHA? No, I actually buy a different brand of uh, omega three from algae that contains EPA okay. and DHA. Uh huh. And and that is satisfactory. Because, uh, even though I take magnesium, I don't want to take the quantities of fat I would need to take to make adequate amounts of EPA and DHA for my knees. Right. Indeed. Right. So, uh, so there are, there are vegan uh, alternatives. Well, good. All right. So, right. I, you know, I think that that's a pretty comprehensive rundown of a suite of nutrients uh, that are available. Uh, could you just tick off some of your products? Uh, Clinical Cardio 6, uh, which combines a variety of ingredients. There's Red Yeast Rice Plus. Uh, there's Natto Kinase, which you can buy separately. Uh, you have various forms of vitamin K and D plus K. Available protocol for life balance. Uh, yeah, Cardio Triplex has uh, the CoQ10 and the organically grown red yeast rice in mm -hmm. a base of natural fish oil concentrate. Right. So you're actually getting a full amount of fish oil plus the red yeast rice and the CoQ10 in it per capsule. In it, okay, and that's called Cardio Triplex. Right. Okay. And oh, just one other question, because you've been around uh, on the scene for quite a long time. You began your career as a young man. Uh, when we started, uh, you and me both, lecithin was in vogue for cardiovascular prevention. What became of lecithin? You know what? I still take lecithin. Oh, okay. I add it to my smoothies. Okay. And I, I think it's great. Lecithin contains phosphatidylcholine you need for acetylcholine, right. a neurotransmitter. For the brain. It contains phos other phosphatides that help with coating the nerves and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it also helps to emulsify fats in the body, okay. which is something that we need. Uh, I have a study that shows that taking... Uh, here it is. A study showed feeding 10 grams a day of lecithin to mm -hmm. people with very high cholesterol hmm. reduced their LDL cholesterol by 36% hmm. and their HDL cholesterol by 46% in a month. Whoa. So why is the bloom off the rose on, on lecithin? I mean, it sounds like it could be part of a concerted program. Yeah, and that's from the Journal of the American College of Nutrition, October 2001. Hmm. Uh, dietary effects of of 10 grams a day. I mean, it, you know, it, it's that's a, a lot. scoop of, of yeah. lecithin. I mean, it's, I'll, so, I'll do a it's hard to take in pills. That's like 10, 10, yeah, 10,000 milligram pills. So it, but as a, like a, something that you can blend in to a, to a drink, that might be helpful. Uh, yeah, it's in my smoothie. It, it emulsifies the smoothie. It's fine. I, I don't notice it that much, you know. I may mentioned that, you know, one of our sponsors is uh, Flava Naturals, and they make a high flavanol uh, cocoa, and there's, there's some new great information about cocoa for cardiovascular disease. Uh, and uh, also there's uh, resveratrol. Uh, do you think that resveratrol still merits consideration for cardiovascular prevention? Because some people have been uh, a little disappointed at the potential of uh, resveratrol. Uh, based on 
you know, the big studies by GlaxoSmithKline, they tried to synthesize a copycat molecule, and then they found uh, that it went, you know, it was kind of a bust. No, it's the same old story. Antioxidants work in synergy with each other. They need each other to support because they get, become oxidized very quickly when they quench these free radical chain reactions. And they need other antioxidants to recycle them. Alpha-lipoic acid will recycle both vitamin E and vitamin C, for example. So that's why it's called the universal antioxidant, because it works on both both systems, fats and and uh, watery uh, systems in our body, and the fat-soluble and the water-soluble chemicals. Uh, I, I don't think, see, I, I take a lot of those things, but I don't take them in huge doses. I think it's better to have a variety of antioxidants mm-hmm. than to load up on one. Sounds so like, a, like a, like a symphony orchestra kind of approach. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. They, they might work much better together. The drug model does not work well on antioxidants. Mm-hmm. You, they, they lose their potency too quickly, and there's nothing to recycle them. So, so we could test I them mean, one at a time, it. you know, like the vitamin D uh, study. We test vitamin D, we could test resveratrol, we can, in isolation. And we're not going to see the kind of results that we see uh, in practice, because in practice uh, and in the real world, uh, people are taking a multiplicity of things together synergistically. Yeah, I mean, why don't humans make vitamin C in our livers like dogs do, cats do, horses do, almost all mammals do except for higher primates, fruit-eating bats, and guinea pigs and humans. There's about 20 species of mammals that don't make our own vitamin C, and why not? Because we eat enough antioxidants in our diet Mm -hmm. to recycle our vitamin C without it. So we've lost the ability over time. The other animals, you know, you look at a carnivore, they have to make their vitamin C in their liver. They have no other source. Right. They're not going to eat, uh, so they don't drink orange juice or, you know, eat uh, broccoli. Yeah. It's, it's the variety of our diets that allow us to survive without that. Indeed. Key well, message. Uh, unfortunately, a variety, uh, our diets are less varied than at any time in human history uh, and consist, unfortunately, mostly of ultra-processed foods, hence... <laughs> rationale for nutritional supplementation. I'm sure you agree. Great stuff. Yeah. Uh, thanks for a comprehensive rundown. And uh, thank you also for your nice article, which uh, people can find at drhoffman.com, cardiovascular health, the multitude of supplements at the service of your heart and blood vessels. It's all there uh, in summary form. And finally, uh, let's give a nod to uh, our call to action, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information at order. Uh, Neil, a pleasure as usual. Uh, we always have great conversations. I always come away learning something from you. I mean, I thought I knew it all <laughs> when I talk to you. I come away with some clinical pearls that I'm going to try out on my patients. So good stuff. Yeah, I'm constantly learning stuff by researching. So, yeah, I, I understand. I, I thought I knew a lot before, and I turned out I didn't. It's a constant process. Thank you very much for joining us. All the best. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. 
My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.